Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, August 9th, 2022, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 20. We will be reading and commenting on the fourth paragraph only on page 20, which begins with, now these are commonplace observations on drinkers, and ends with, whose reactions are very different from ours. Today's readers are Adrian N., Naomi G.B., Judith S.P., Loretta H., and Carmela G. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, August 8, 2022, are 19,268 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 19268 and 19,269 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 19269. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Adrian N. to read the OA 12 steps. This is Adrian N. in Florida. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood it, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Adrian N. from Florida. I will now ask Naomi G.B. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. I'm Naomi G.B., gratefully recovered in Ontario, Canada, and the 12 Traditions. Uh, one, our common, uh, sorry, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And thank you for this opportunity to do service. Rebecca, we don't hear you. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much. I was saying thank you, Naomi G.B. from Ontario, Canada, and how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we will be reading and commenting on the fourth paragraph only on page 20. Now these are commonplace observations on drinkers through whose reactions are very different from ours. I will now ask Judith S.P. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Judith S.P. in Maryland. Grateful to be here and uh, thank God for you all, Big Book, and uh, my ability to be alive today. Um, Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these experiences refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Uh, When I read this paragraph, I think of that uh, short quote. It's got a lot of variations on it, but it says something to the effect, before I judge someone, I need to walk a mile in their shoes. And uh, to me, this paragraph resonates with assumptions. Um, When somebody gives all these, um, why don't you just try this instead of that? Come on. Because of her, you really need to do better. You can do it if you really wanted to, which was referred to in the paragraph above. They may be coming from a place of curiosity and care, but in reality they do not know the devastation and the pain and that there is such a deep-rooted disease and illness that um, these somewhat flippant suggestions... um, don't really have any impact other than really possibly setting someone back even a little bit further. Um, It comes from ignorance and misunderstanding and not being judged. Ignorance is just not knowing. Misunderstanding is wanting someone to do something or behave in a certain way without really as many facts as possible. And as we are seeing in the big book as we travel this journey, there's a lot of wisdom and there's a lot of information factually, maybe maybe not being able to be proven, that uh, this big book directs us on because of experience. And it's through our experiences, strength, and hope that we can relate to each other in ways that people who have not been through this devastating illness can do. And uh, assumptions are very toxic. And I heard many, many weeks or months ago that when I go into someone else's life and give them suggestions or try to fix them, it's like looking through a keyhole and thinking I know what's in the whole room. And if I'm really caring and if I'm really interested in someone else, I need to be able to listen, ask questions when appropriate, 
and only make suggestions after I've checked in with my higher power. This is not something that Judith can do by herself, because for many, many, many years, in terms of my overeating, in terms of my emotional insobriety, I was often running to the races, and it didn't matter what anybody said, family, friends, medical professionals, gurus, or whatever. I just did not know what was going on. And if I want to be able to help or be there for another human being, I have to just be able to slow down and gain some information and do my best to try to understand. So with that, I will pass, and thank you for letting me share and do service. Thank you, Judith S.P. from Maryland, for getting us started. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So if you haven't shared on A Vision for You this past Friday or Monday and would like to share on the fourth paragraph only on page 20 in the Big Book of AA, now these are commonplace observations on drinkers through whose reactions are very different from ours, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. And was that a Sue by any chance? Linda D. from Connecticut. Harlan G. Susan S. Shanna C. New Jersey. Oh my gosh, you guys, I can't write that fast. Um, I got Linda D. and Harlan G. So if you said your name, try again. Ginger C. Ginger C. Shanna C. Barbara E. from New Jersey, too. Barbara E. I think that first one was Suze S. I'm going to put you at the top, Suze. One, two, three, four, five, six. Did anyone else say their name? And I that was Suze him. S. Suze S. Great. You'll be first. Okay, so here's who I have. Suze S., Linda D., Harlan G., Ginger C., Shanna C., and Barbara E. And we'll go with those six to get, you know, I know Judith got us started, but then the rest of you. Suze S., please go right ahead. Hi, I'm here. This is yeah, Suze great. S. I'd, I'd like to thank you uh, for your service. And um, this is a great, great, great paragraph for two reasons. It's front and back. <laughs> It's having people tell me, oh, there's such a great diet. Um, growing up, my mom used to tell people, oh, my poor daughter, she never even eats a cookie. And then when I eat a cookie, she'd just look at me. So <laughs> I also had a doctor that used to slap me on the butt when I was 15 and tell me I was fat and tell me that boys, he sat me down one day and said, boys won't like you. So there's been a whole history of this. Um, three weeks ago, my former partner broke up with me after two and a half years. And this is, this is the backside is that um, I had been talking about the commitment that he had made me that I was supposed to move into his home and he had lost his wife and um, we had been friends and we developed a relationship after that. And so on the foot, on the front side, I had people telling me and still telling me how to eat, 
and what not to eat and, you know, don't really understand. I even have a, a soy allergy. And I, my sister, who has many, many disabilities, said to me one day, I don't even know if you have a real soy allergy. And I'm, I've been to the hospital. I can't breathe. So she, you know, it's, it's one of those things. They don't understand. It's not that they're mean, nasty, and rotten, although sometimes they don't talk to me so nicely about it. But I need to, um, I was just reading in the big book the other day about, in, in one of the steps about understanding, trying to have compassion for people that are that way um, because they don't understand. I didn't understand until I got in this program. I didn't understand alcoholics until I got in this program. So I'm learning, and it's not up to me to teach other people lessons. It's they'll learn or they won't. But for my partner, the fact that I told him, you know, there's no room for me in your house because there's still stuff everywhere. And I don't want him to to get rid of his late wife's things, you know, per se. I just want to have room to move in. And he broke up with me instead. So I'm in a band with him, and I need to try to understand and be understanding. So I'm working the steps. You can't say I'm working it for him so I don't go after him, <laughs> but I'm working it for me to make me a more compassionate person. So it's not only other people talking to me, but it's me talking with other people as well. This program has helped me to understand other people and be more compassionate for them. Now I just have to work on being compassionate for me. <laughs> Thank you. And I pass. Suzanne, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Thanks so much, Suzanne, from New Jersey. And, Linda uh, D. My, my, my sponsor said to get on the phone and share, so here I am. <laughs> oh, glad you did. Thank you so much for sharing. Linda D. Good morning. Linda D. from Connecticut. For the very first time in my 78 years, I'm a patient in a hospital for the last several days. Now I'm in a rehab. Not because I drank or overate, but because I didn't know how to properly call in my groceries, and I didn't want to bother the neighbors. Now I know it's the first thing you do. I was... um, Ashamed to say, I don't know what a six-year-old knows how to do, how to correct uh, their uh, call-in, their login. So I, who am a regular here, uh, it has saved my life. Vision for you has given me an entirely new life. I am so very very grateful for the presence of God in my life to know that God loves me that I'm precious that every human being is known and loved I am blessed beyond all measure I have met for the first time in 78 years medical professionals who had no idea that compulsive eating is deadly, progressive, fatal. I said I lived half my life. I didn't know till I was 38. I owe everything to Overeaters Anonymous, particularly, particularly this very special meeting. I 
attend usually every single 7 a.m. My girlfriends on the line, uh, I won't say their initials, but they tried to convince me. Linda, you need to bother your neighbors. Not a, well, I've never been sick, never been hospitalized, ever. And I'm damn near 80. Well, how come you have it? Because I eat with all the correct information, aligned with all my friends, and we each, I mean, read, excuse me, the big book every single day, inch by inch. People on this line that I knew nothing about anorexia before have saved me to help others. So when I help others, which I've been doing for about a week and days, they're medical professionals, nurses, nursing assistants, phlebotomists. Time, Linda. Who never, I'm sorry, who never heard of it. I let them know. When I'm home, you call me. I'll give you the phone line because now they know. This is free, it's available, and I'd be more than happy to help you. I have to be kind and let them talk. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Linda D. from Connecticut. Um, we're going to have Harlan G. next, but first I think I'll let the people who got on late know that we're sharing on the fourth paragraph on page 20 in the big book of AA. Now these are commonplace observations on drinkers through whose reactions are very different from ours. Okay, Harlan G. Is that me? Am I unmuted? Okay. That's, thank that's you, Rebecca. you, Harlan. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for taking the meeting, and thanks to everybody who makes this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater but not cured, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. I do not have a story of being a person who was a normal weight at any time in his life. I was a fat kid. I was the fat kid from Albany Street. I was born and raised as a fat kid in Chicago on the north side. Doctors would scream at my parents and then scream at me. The rabbis at the synagogue would scream at my parents and then scream at me. Teachers, adult friends of my friends would lecture me. I was a spectacle. I was an object of ridicule my entire life. I was nine years old, and I had been on diets since I was six, and I wanted to kill myself, and I felt very, very much like a person who could never fit into the world. I couldn't fit in my clothes. I couldn't even as a child get in and out of a car very easily because of my overweight condition. I couldn't run as fast as the other kids. I couldn't ride my bicycle as fast as the other kids. I couldn't, there was a, a, a gym shoe when I was a kid, PF flyers, and they would advertise, run faster and jump higher. So I had my mother buy me PF flyers at Crawford's Department Store on Devon Avenue in Chicago. I couldn't run any faster, and I sure couldn't jump any higher. 
when I was nine years old, nine years old, a doctor put me on heavy amphetamines and I was on diet pills at nine years old. And then Marilyn Monroe died in 62 and a lot of the information started coming out into the about these pills and and then they changed it from one pill to the next and I want to shake my fist sometimes and look back and say what the heck were you thinking putting me on that medicine why am I talking about all this I'm talking about all this because in this paragraph it says back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding nobody said to me harlan you have a disease you have an illness which i was a kid i wouldn't have known what the heck they were talking about anyway no one said to me you have an illness they said to me things that made me believe i was bad and stupid it's a disease for me of self-loathing it's a disease of lack of dreams, lack of self-esteem, not fitting into the world. The way I would talk to myself was brutal. It was inhuman because I hated myself for being fat. And I thought that being fat was my problem. I didn't know I had a disease. I'm out of time. I'll close with this. We are not bad people trying to be good we are sick people trying to get well, and we are doing it through the working of the steps to affect a spiritual awakening. We are as good as anybody. We just have an illness of the mind and an illness of the body. And thank God we not only have a program of recovery that works if we work it, but we have each other. And because we have each other, there's a place for us to go where the language of the heart is both spoken and understood. There is a place that we can go to be one of many and be accepted and loved just as we are, where we are. And that's a lot to have. Not everybody has it. Thank you, Rebecca. With that, I will pass. Thank you, Harlan G. from Arizona. Ginger C., Hey, Rebecca. So good to hear your voice this morning. This is Ginger C., a real compulsive overeater in Colorado. And why is there ignorance and misunderstanding? It's really simple. They don't have what I have. They're not a real compulsive overeater. And they're never going to get it. And sometimes, who's sicker than who? You know, the person trying to figure out the drunk or me trying to convince them why I do what I do. And I am just so grateful, you know, my reaction is very different, very different. And that's the most important piece. I have to get that, and I have to know it head to heart. When I take that first bite, my life is over. And I love that one of our friends on this line talked about the fatalness of this disease. It is deadly. Because for me, sugar equals suicidal thoughts. The pain presses in, presses on. It's relentless. It's not letting go. And I can't be in this world. And a week ago, yesterday, I found out my sister died from alcoholism. She did not know how to be in her skin. She did not know how to be in life. And all she knew were bottles and pills. And it finally won. And she's had her last breath. And I'll tell you, I cannot believe 
from all this pain because I have never lost a sibling. I have four, and I've been blessed to have so many sisters. I've never been more grateful for so many girls in one family. It used to be very painful with all the female emotions. But I'm so glad I have so many because I had no idea how much it would hurt to lose a sibling. An appendage is gone, and the pain is real. But the gift of not eating today, which is an absolute miracle, I have been in a hell relapse and not able to stop relapsing. And I don't want to eat because the pain is so great today. And if I take that bite, that great lie, it's only going to get worse. I don't need any more pain. And what I'm seeing by being with God, really being with God, is you can find peace in your pain. They can sit side by side. The pain will not kill you. And I have run from pain my entire life. Before that first bite, there was pain. Then I found a bite to deal with the pain. And I'm going to fight harder today for this recovery, for my sister who no longer is here, because I have a message if I don't eat. So I am so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous, for these clear-cut directions. And all I have to do is just follow it. And no longer fear of the pain is worse than the pain. So just allow what it is and just know that God's got you in care and strength and protection. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. from Colorado. So sorry for your loss. Shanna C. Good morning. This is Shanna C. from Tennessee. And a grateful recovered compulsive overeater through God's grace and the help of you guys in these steps. Um, very moved by the previous shares this morning and grateful to be here. Um, when I read this paragraph, I think of, uh, you know, like we all think about it as all the people, you know, in our lives that don't understand us and that we don't understand them. I spent so many years looking at other people and how they ate. I mean, why are you, why are you just nibbling on that? Like eat it already. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm starving to death watching some people eat. Like they, they're literally paying attention to all of the other people around them and eating so freaking slow. Like, what, what's wrong with you? It's there. Eat it. I didn't, you know, I, I was just as judgmental of normal eaters as what I thought they were of me. <clears throat> um, but I'm, I, I got to think about here is a, a recent experience of how well these steps do work and how when I really ask God for the help, um, I get it. I mean, I really get it. Like this past Sunday, see, I go to my in-laws every Sunday and they they eat how they eat. And uh, they're aware that, that I don't eat certain ingredients. And my problem isn't that I wanted to eat necessarily the food. My problem, looking back after taking inventory, isn't, isn't um, that. It's that I, I want to please them. And so when I, I, I pray and I text my sponsor before I go and, you know, I'm getting, getting spiritually right and, you know, sending, uh, committing my food and stuff before going. <clears throat> and I'm asking God to help me to be a light and be whatever I need to be while there. And then my wonderful father-in-law makes a point to come to me and say, Shanna, the only ingredients on this, uh, on the meat is blah, blah, blah. 
every one of them were things I could not have, but they're labeled differently. He doesn't know that there are certain ingredients that are not great for me. He just, you know, he doesn't know how to read the labels and he's, it doesn't discount the fact that he was trying and he cares. And so here I am in this dilemma, you know, and my mind says, man, it's probably going to be okay. You know, this kind of stuff. I'm not cured. But thank God there's a way of life that really works and there's tools I can use and there's God and he gives me the awareness and the willingness and all of the things I need in those moments. And so anyway, I, I prayed and I was like, uh, I, if I eat this, the only thing I would be eating this for was just to keep from hurting his feelings, which going by the assumption in my own mind that I would actually hurt his feelings. So this is my mind playing tricks on me. And the truth of the matter is if I ate it, I wouldn't be I'm not thinking of him to keep from hurting his feelings. I'm thinking of easing my own discomfort and guilt feelings for not wanting, you know what I'm saying? The people pleasing. So really, I would be eating for effect, eating for ease, my own ease and comfort. And it was then that I was like, oh, my God, thank you, God. I get to, I'm, I'm aware of this stuff now. I can help people. Thank you. So what I did is I went through and I sent texts and I prayed and I abstained. And sure enough, God provided. I did everything Another item that I could eat that totally met my, my dietary requirements and the biggest thing is I didn't have to make a big deal out of it. I didn't have to announce and have fireworks over what I can eat and what I can't. I didn't have to hurt anybody. I stayed close to God, stayed close to you guys, and I used the tools and got through it. I hope it helps somebody. Thank you so much for being here. You guys are amazing. That's all I have. Thanks, Shanna C. from Tennessee. Barbara E., Good morning, my tribe members. The beautiful meeting, and thank you for those honest, authentic shares. Well, this chapter gave me, and perhaps people like you, hope there is a solution. I never had one before. I didn't get the answer right away, but I knew I had to move forward and do what I have to do. So I won't die from this killer disease and follow the instructions contained, not 90%, but 100% to keep it simple. I heard at the beginning, take what you want and leave the rest. And I thought that meant I didn't have to do 8, 9, 10, 11. I only had to do 1, 2, and 3. But I had to do everything not 90%, as I said, but 100 and keep it simple, how to improve and grow, and all the fancy words that Bill uses in this book simply meant I had to change just about everything and listen to others just like me, really listen, and to fully concede I was powerless and wave the white flag of surrender and not going again to Costco and buying a sheet cake that said, Happy Birthday, Barbara, and eating the whole sheet cake. I was a food hog, but now I think I need to be a hog for God because nothing but God that I don't understand and I don't need to can save me. Ah, You'd think it would make me so nauseous eating that cheesecake. It didn't. I lay down on my bed. 
until I could eat a bag of M&M's and then visit my friends Ben and Jerry's in the freezer. I was spiritually blocked off from my higher power. And then if I'm not continuing to roto-rooter it, all my defects, unless I continue to grow, those bedevilments will always follow me. I couldn't make a successful living, it said. That also meant I couldn't make a successful life. I, the evil and corroding thread was, of my disease was eating me away. It was killing me. It was isolating me. And every morning I get down on my knees and just say, help. And at night I get down on my knees and say, thanks. There is a solution. We just have to follow it. And I always say a slip, and we use that word, is not a catastrophe. It means that I'm still learning and growing. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. from New Jersey. If you haven't shared on A Vision for You this past Friday or Monday and would like to share on the fourth paragraph only on page 20 in the Big Book of AA, now these are commonplace observations on drinkers through whose reactions are very different from ours, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Karen K. Rick J. Okay, Carmela G. All I got is Karen K. Okay, then Rick J. I got and Carmela, but somebody in between. Amy Lauren G. Grace. Kim A. Oh dear, and there was an Amy. And Kim A. Kim A. Lauren Grace and, B. Oh, Lauren Grace B. Blanca B. G. Blanca B. G. Okay, let me tell you who I wrote down. Karen K. Amy, Kim, Rick, Lauren Grace B, Carmela, and Blanca B G. Let's see if there's time for all of you. Karen K, go right ahead. Good morning. I'm Karen K, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, at my credit zone transfer. I'm looking at this paragraph, uh, very powerful, very short, and a different way. Um, you know, like in the St. Francis prayer in uh, step 11, you know, to be under, to understand than to understood, even the people that don't um, get this disease or any other kind of disease, um, right? You know, I'm really trying to stay, uh, you know, focused on this meeting and what I need to do for myself and not, um, it's, it's none of my business if anybody doesn't get this disease. The most important thing is that I get it. No, I can't explain it. I've, I've been there. I've done that. I've, you know, I don't even explain when I bring my own food anymore. I just do it. Uh, and my husband is terribly sick again. And um, I'm not my job to diagnose, but uh, he should be in the hospital. He's not going. So I could be misunderstanding and arrogant towards him. I could. He's got something else going on with him. What I choose to do is to keep my commitment for second hour hosts, log on, 
listen to the meeting, listen to you guys share, and do the next right thing. Keep him in prayer because he's got a God too, and I'm not it. Even with little G, I'm not it. My recovery needs to come first. It may sound selfish. It may sound rude to some of you. I, I At this point, I really don't care. Um, I need to be available for myself and for him whatever he decides to do. Um, I have to be a witness of recovery and of compassion. Of course, I've checked on him, see if he's okay, does he need anything. Of course, I've done those things. But God's in charge of all of this. I can think I'm in charge of my food plan. I can think I'm in charge of what what the doctor says. I think, I think, I think. I think shit, okay? I don't know shit. All I know is this moment I'm sharing on a Vision for You phone line meeting, and this little paragraph is so powerful, it's not my job to say that someone's misunderstanding. It is God's will. At the time when this big book was written, there was going to be some misunderstanding. Guess what? It's now 2022, and there's still misunderstandings. And all I have to do is pray, stay out of the way, and see what I can contribute to the solution with the, God's solution, not mine. Thy will be nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Just God's will. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Karen Kay. Um, Amy, you're next. But before you go, I was overly ambitious. So if anybody could shave a few seconds off their time, we might have time for everybody whose names I wrote down. And if not, somebody might not get to share. Amy, go right ahead. Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for such a wonderful meeting. My name is Amy G. I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. So for me, since these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours, what stands out for me is just this, this realization that, you know, we're in this chapter, there is a solution. And there is a solution if I understand who and what I am. I mean, people who look from the outside in, they saw what compulsive eating did to me. What they didn't understand is what it did for me, right? How is restless, irritable, and discontent and the ease and comfort, the delusion of ease and comfort that I got from eating. They didn't understand that. And so the solution for me is understanding that I have a twofold illness, a physical allergy and a mental obsession, and that I will never be a normal eater. They say that it's a great delusion in the big book of the alcoholic and the compulsive eater that someday, somehow, I will be able to eat like a normal person. And that is just not going to happen for me. And uh, thank God that I know that now through the grace of God and this program and the fellowship and meetings like this that drill in constantly what the problem is and then what the solution is and the reinforcement of that, that I, my reaction is never going to be the same because I have a physical allergy and that doesn't change. Pickle ain't going to be a cucumber anymore. And I know that now. There are certain substances that I cannot eat without creating the allergic reaction, which is a phenomenon of craving where I cannot stop. That's a done deal, folks, and that'll never change. And then, of course, the mental obsession, the spiritual malady, all of that but I will never be a normal eater. And when I know that, the solution becomes very, very clear in this book. 
which is the 12 steps in a relationship with a power greater than myself to relieve the thinking that goes along with the physical allergy. And to me, I'm so grateful everyone has reinforced that for me today. I don't need to convince the normies out there about what it is and who I am. I just need to do what it is that I need to do. And for that, I am grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy G. from Maryland. Kim? Hey, good morning. This is Kim A. from New York City. And, yeah, you know, I think we probably all have our horror stories about, you know, what people have said to us, what people have tried to do to, you know, help us. We know that none of that, none of that was useful. And thinking about that and sharing about that doesn't really serve me, and it doesn't serve anybody on the line. What does serve all of us is focusing on the solution, right? Focusing on the fact that we can do something called wind-up work. We go to where chronic compulsive eaters may wind up, and we can educate doctors, and we can go to, like, bariatric clinics, and we can go to diet places, and we could put up flyers in our community. You know, hey, there's this thing called OA. You want to find out more about it? Reach out to me. And we know that it's a program of attraction rather than promotion, right? I mean, it's not our job to educate anybody in a way where we're feeling the need to explain ourselves or where we're trying to shove this way of life down anyone's throat because everyone has a higher power and it's not us, right? It's not me. Um, all we can do is continue to work the steps, ask God, you know, how can I be of service today? How can I be helpful? How can I carry this message? How can I help someone who desperately needs this program and doesn't know about it? All I can do is just show up and do what's put in front of me and, you know, hope that I can maybe educate somebody who needs it in a way where I'm not playing God, in a way where I'm not being, you know, self-serving. And as long as I'm working my steps, particularly step 11, you know, asking God to direct my thinking and all that good stuff, then I can truly be helpful and maybe make a dent in um you know, all of this misunderstanding that exists, especially around food and compulsive eating. I'll pass. Thanks. Kim A., New York City. Thanks, Kim A. Rick J. Good morning, everybody. My name's Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. And, um, you know, how many times have I said to my daughter, if you would just eat, if you would just not throw up, you would get to finish high school. You'd get to go to the colleges that you were just accepted to. We wouldn't have to pull you out of high school. You wouldn't have to go back into residential treatment again and again. You wouldn't have to go to this psychiatric hospital again, again. You know, and um, as much as I know about my own powerlessness, sometimes I can still have this anger based in a misunderstanding of something I truly don't understand. I don't understand what it's like to be my daughter. And I, I say this prayer that a dear sister of mine sent me. And I say this prayer all the time. And I put my daughter's name in there. God, forgive me where I have not been sensitive to Libby's hurt and need for nurturing, protection, care, and guidance. 
I come to you in utter desperation, fear, and longing for her. Help me deal with my emotional reactions and confusions so I will do no harm. Open my heart to the heart of Livy to be objectively sensitive to her needs and her pain. Give me insight into the reality of the world she lives in and what she has to encounter daily. I submit myself to you, embracing faith, hope, and love for the assignment of being a parent to this beautiful child. Amen. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. from North Carolina. Lauren Grace B. Good morning. I'm Lauren Grace B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And um, this, like everyone else, you know, I did have my struggles of being misunderstood in my own home. Growing up, I was um, I was never even, I don't know that I was ever even clinically overweight, but um, my dad offered me $100 to lose weight, and they thought it was great when I was eating 500 calories a day and um, you know, got to a weight where I wasn't getting my cycle anymore and I got the payoff and over the next year I gained so much weight that I could barely fit into a performance dress of a group I was in in high school. It just didn't work. And I just think of the um, billions and billions and billions of dollars in this country and around the world that are wasted because people do not understand the true compulsive overeater diet clubs, but also the medical industry and gyms and workout places, all, all the resources that are wasted. And it seems to me that it's because they're not looking at the whole person. We know in OA that this is a um, three-part program, physical, um, spiritual, and emotional. And uh, this is the only place that I've found that, that examines all of these issues. Um, coming to visions and working the big book after 30 years in OA has just made all the difference for me. Working the 10th step when something's bothering me instead of letting it um, fester, it's just been a miracle in my life. And um, I just also think, too, that this is a program based on altruism. We're not out for anyone's money we're here to help each other, and we speak the language of the heart, and I am just so grateful um, for this meeting and all the support that I receive. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren Grace B. from New Jersey. Carmela G. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Thank you for Rebecca for your service and for everyone on the line this morning sharing and listening. Carmela G. from New York, gratefully recovered through the great God's grace. This line, this line of comparing um, expressions refer to people whose, re- whose reactions are different from mine. That forced it, forced it my denial that I was a compulsive overeater. Went to my first meeting and judged. It forced my defect of character of judging others. I'm not like these people. I don't do those things. So therefore, I do not belong here. And that is what this paragraph shows me is how we can delude ourselves with our thoughts and take words and twist them instead of being open 
and surrender to a power greater than ourselves who's trying to send us a message. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmela G. from New York. And due to everyone's grace, Blanca BG, you have three minutes. I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Blanca uh, Hi. Thank you so much, everyone, uh, for allowing me a little bit of time, and thank you for all your shares. You know, I think that uh, trying to fix things is hum- uh, is part of our human nature. I think it's I think it's in inside of all of us. It's like embedded in every single human being to try to fix things, and of course. On top of that list is fix human beings. So I, all of the things people were sharing about things that have been said to them over the years, people were trying to fix us. And I, who am I to criticize or look back on that in anger? Didn't I do the same thing? Who didn't I try to fix? I tried to fix everybody in my life. My, my brothers and sisters, or my, my mom, my, my husband, my child, they can't be fixed. We cannot fix others, and they cannot fix us. That's been the hardest lesson for me to learn. It still is a challenge for me because I want so badly, especially when you see someone drowning. You want to throw them a life preserver, right? I don't think there's a person on this line that hasn't realized ultimately that they weren't able to fix anyone. That's the beauty of this program. We can offer our experience. But then we have to turn them over to their own higher power. The same as I have mine, they have theirs. But it ain't easy. And boy, do I know that. And I'll pass on that. Oh, Blanca BG, I didn't get where you're from. If you I am from the line. Central Florida. Central Florida. Thank you, Blanca BG. Do believe we have time to spare but we are going to close um or move on i should say because we're so close to that uh five minutes before the hour time so thank you everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service the share id number for this meeting tuesday august 9th 2022 7 a.m eastern time is 19,272, that's 19272. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Loretta H., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, everyone on this line, along with my precious God, saved my life, Loretta H., recovered for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do today for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Amen. Amen.